0: All right, guys. Welcome back to Finding Nicholas. Episode, I don't even want to say ep- what episode it is. It's probably going to be like uh, six because um, uh, we have a last one. Episode five is two parts. Um, and so we're back again. And I say this all the time, but I'm excited uh, to present another another guest to you. But I'm truly excited, you know, and I'm, I'm going to hike this guy up and he's probably over here smiling and it's okay. It's totally okay, but I, I got Ryan Kugler. No, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. <laughs> but I do, I do have uh, Samuel Wright Jr. He's over here, um, trying to give us some hotness. He, he's a man of many hats, a man of many names. If, if, if we're being real about it, <laughs> that's uh, definitely true. Um... It, you know, he's a he's a director. He is an actor. Like I, I kid you not, he stop he he's, he's he's out here acting like stop Denzel. It, stop it. Um, he is a writer, you know, a multi-time published author. Uh, he's been a, a basketball coach. He's a, been a teacher. He's He's been an instructional coach. I mean, he's he's gonna get into all of that. Um, and I know he's got some, some really great talking points to present today. And so, you know, I'm getting used to me just getting off the mic and letting everybody else kill it. And so I'm gonna go ahead and, and let him take it away. First, I want to thank you for that gracious introduction. Uh, when you say it
1: like that, it really does make it sound like I am somebody, right? <laughs> um, but no, you know that was the poem they used to tell us when we were growing up. I am somebody, so I'm gonna I'm gonna own that. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, my name is Samuel Wright Jr. Um, that's what I'm known, you know, professionally, educationally. That's why I work in the realm of education. Government name. That's my government name exactly uh but creatively I go by Solomon Hillfleet. You know, I got the bright idea a couple of years ago to get a suit in uh, because you know, I work in education and I wanted to separate the two, but you know, now it's become, I guess, like an alter ego so to speak. It feels really comfortable. So, you know, Samuel is my name, but you can call me Solomon if, you, if you're familiar with my works. Um but I'm thankful to be here on the show. You're doing some amazing things and you know, I guess it's the teacher in me. I was trying to come with some talking points. And, you know, I know, you know, you have a background in education as well. So you're familiar with it. So you know how we tend to try to lead with, uh, you know, our lesson plan, so to speak. But when you're really great, you don't really have to have much. You take what you're given and you make make a meal out of it.
0: We We've said that many times.
1: Exactly, exactly. So, you know, that's all I plan to do today is just to, to take what we have and make the best out of it, you know, and I, I mentioned teaching because, you know, it's kinda it's kind of been the conduit for all the other things that I wanna do. And it's taught me a lot about myself and it's helped me in a lot of other fields, especially creatively. You know, I think back to, you know, when I was first teaching, my first year teaching. You know, I was twenty four years old, fresh out of college and didn't really know much. And that first year I was teaching and I also got the opportunity to be an assistant coach. And it was just a lot on my plate. Uh, but but one of the things it showed me, you know, after I kind of managed to survive that year was that you don't really have to know everything to start. Mm. You know, well, what you're doing with the podcast, you don't have everything that you'd like to have, but you have what you need. Sure. You don't have to have ideal... Conditions to start and you know, that's the mark of someone who's truly talented, you know, and that's all I try to do you know, I try to Look for a way to start and I try to think about what could stop me and I just go from
0: there All right, and almost at, at perfect timing uh, my roommate just uh, <laughs> Just just left <laughs> and so we had we gotta pause and we're regrouping here. So you can right here cut and then we're back here um, but it was almost on point with what exactly what you said. You don't have to have ideal conditions, uh, t- uh to start. And that's kind of like the perfect example. Uh, and so if there's something you want to do out there, um, go for it. Don't worry about it. Whether you have every piece of equipment or all the time that you need and in the, in the right, uh, conditions or circumstances, um, you can find a way if you are really, uh, committed, uh, to your pursuit. And so... What I want to do is I want to go back to kind of where you, where I thought you were taking it with um education and not having everything you need but essentially what I heard was you got to be resourceful right and and, and when you enter uh endeavors you know kind of saying you know with a lack of resources and even to a lot of confidence sometimes because of that um and then you find out that you can survive and you can make it as an assistant coach and you will survive your first year teaching. Uh, Take me through that process of being maybe um, not wholly confident and aware of the true gifts you have to offer into, you're in it, you're doing it, you're learning as you go, and now you come out of this, this brand new thing, right? Okay. Okay. I appreciate you uh, mentioning that. You know, one of the things I was thinking about
1: as you said that is, you know, I know people have heard the variation of the quote, you know, desperation is kind of like the father of creativity. Mm. You know, when you don't have things, that's when you're always able to, sometimes that's when you have to learn to be able to see what you already have and be able to take it from there. And, you know, one of the things that I had at my disposal was, you know, regardless of my background athletically, you know, because I, you know, I had a background in different other sports that weren't, you know, traditional, like you know, I did tennis, golf, things of that nature. But the thing that I realized is I knew how to instruct people. And so and and beyond that, I knew how to realize how other people learned and I could meet them where they were. And I mean, I think that concept is, you know, can be applied to a lot of things. It's how do you learn? how can the people around you benefit from what you have to give? So what do you have to give? How is it that you're able to, you know, learn what you have? And then how can you give that to other people? You know, with me, I knew that I was able to teach. And, you know, from there was building a rapport. And I looked at every day as this is a chance to build my rapport with my students because if
0: they can love me on the field, they'll love me in the class. So one of my questions is um, just like hearing that. I, the word that came to mind was awareness. Yes, yes, that's important. And how did you have this awareness that you can teach and instruct people um, and that, you know, you have the ability and the charisma to, to generate a rapport with those you're, you're trying to, to, to help? Um, yeah, was that, was that something that you learned through other people, you know, telling you, say, hey, you have a gift for this? or was was it something where you just started to see those results from you just being kind of who you are and then you just kind of like tucked it away in your pocket and was like, okay, this is a tool, it's helpful. No,
1: no, you know, I think, you know, the thing we've been saying so far is just, you can only learn, you can only learn from doing things. And I think the more that I immerse myself in it, the more I was starting to see patterns. But I think the big thing is, A lot of what you're able to do comes from your perception of what you're able to do. You know, your confidence will determine, you know, I I believe there was a saying I heard, you know, confidence is built from competence. You know, the only way that you can really be confident in something is you have to feel competent in it. And the less competent you feel, the less confident you'll feel. So. Everything that I did not feel confident about, I worked as hard as I could to learn as much about as I could. I really immersed myself in the sports and just learning the techniques. And I watched a lot of videos and just videos, books. And I said, okay, I'm learning more about it. Then I asked people questions. And the more my competence built, the more my confidence built. You know, and I think that's a thing that we don't pay enough attention on. Awareness comes from actually doing, you know, and and doing doesn't necessarily always mean having to actually engage in something. Just being present, just, you know, actually tuning into yourself and being aware is how you'll start to actually learn what it is that naturally comes to mind and what actually could be a skill with time.
0: Okay. Um I, I love the piece where you said uh competence uh I guess breeds fosters uh confidence. confidence. Yes, yeah. definitely. And I I absolutely believe that, like 100%. And so what I wanted to ask, I guess, when I heard that was, were there moments where you're learning a new skill? You're immersed in this new environment. And obviously, it's never a a straight path (laughs) into confidence and and competence. You know, were there moments where you ran into roadblocks and... You know, you're building that confidence. Like, I think I'm getting the hang of this. And then, you know, somebody says something, an out of the way comment, or the results aren't exactly what you want them to be, and then that confidence kind of disappears. And you have this ebb and flow. Oh
1: man! And I, you know, I don't think I don't think it would be life if it wasn't that way. You know, like I'll give the analogy before I tell a story. I'll give the analogy. You know, if you've ever been in the gym and you're trying to build up to get to a certain, you know level where you can maybe lift or do something, you know, they give you the pyramid workouts. And it really just kind of centers around muscle fatigue. You fatigue your muscles, your endurance is built gradually, but it literally gets to the point where getting, you know, getting the weight off the bar is just the heaviest thing. You know, and I I liken that to the same with uh, coaching. You know, there was a period I had some success early on and it kind of gave me this, you know, sense of false, maybe false sense of maybe my actual skill, and then when I actually got the chance to kind of fly on my own and I fell on my face, it kind of just, it was kind of hard for me to to deal with, but it kind of showed me that, you know, your confidence is, it, it needs to be built on competence, but sometimes your confidence just needs to be built on the process itself. Understanding that you've grown in the process, you're not the same person you are, you know, you know, we've known each other for some time, you know, who I was when I met you and who I am now is a completely different person. And the confidence comes not from necessarily what I know, but from the awareness of who I've become. And, you know, I think that's, you know, that's for anybody and anything you're doing. You have to just be confident that you're not the same person you were. And the fact that you're aware of that is already, you know, a sign that you're competent, even if it's just emotional competency, you know, that's important. You know, so I, I definitely think you know, I'm not gonna say I'm the guru. You know, I'm not, uh, <laughs> you know, I'm not Bill Belichick. You know what I'm saying? I'm I'm not, uh, you know, Phil Jackson. You know, I'm not uh, uh Clarence Gaines or you know none of these guys. But you know, I had some I had some success. But what it just really showed me is just you're always consistently a student. You know, even creatively, I see that now. You know, I got the chance to to write and, you know, help produce and I guess, you know, direct the film that I just did, Jada Jim's. But what it's just shown me is just you're just still a student again. There's a lot more that you still have to learn. It's it's the same as when you're, you know, starting a podcast. You know, at first it's I'm just talking in front of a mic. Then you're learning, oh man, I need to script out what I'm gonna say and I have to have, you know, this type of sound settings and, you know, it's it's a learning process. And I think that's the big thing I like about being a teacher. It is, it's helped me to look at life as a big learning lesson.
0: I mean, I, I think that's um, you know, obviously, the most profound things are are often the simplest, you know. And um, that that idea of being a lifelong learner, you know, as teachers, we've always kind of been you know huge proponents of that. You know, we've we've always advocated for students to to um, not just learn inside the classroom, but outside of it too, you know? And um, and we've always kind of pushed uh, books, YouTube, getting a mentor, you know, a- anything you can find in a person or in some text to elevate what you already have. Exactly. Um, it's paramount to your success. Um, and some things just, you know, can't be taught. Like, you know, I know
1: you know, when you were you know, in the classroom for at some point in time, you know, you definitely had the knowledge, you know, and we would say, uh, in teaching, we'd say the methods was like the pedagogy. So you had the pedagogy, but you can't teach charisma, you know, and your charisma comes from knowing something that you can do, being confident in it, and once you're really walking in it, that's what I think we call charisma. And, you know, with you, you know, with your skills, with with everybody, everybody has a skill set that they can have a a charismatic effect on others with. It's just really about paying a lot of attention and becoming aware of what you're good at. You know, and I think as teachers, good teachers are good at helping students do that, Mm -hmm. helping them find what they're really good at or what they have a passion for, because not everything's about skill, you know, passion and really loving something enough to get better at it is even more important. I think they would probably say resiliency or you know things of that nature, but you know, I definitely think charisma goes a long way.
0: Absolutely. I think um you know that there's certain things I think people often believe are we call them uh, I guess uh, intangibles, you know, and and I and I don't necessarily even believe that sometimes because I have to remember where I've come from, and um, I I wasn't always the the most charismatic. I I think it's probably like uh, that my trajectory is kind of like up and down like a sine wave, you know. I think that like most things behave that way, you know. So there, were, there were moments where people would say he's so funny, he's so charming, so whatever, and then you you get into these lows and these dips. And maybe you've lost confidence, or maybe your focus has just... It happens. Uh, Just is aimed somewhere else. Your awareness is, is on something else, you know. You're know, you you focused on girls now, or you're focused on sports now, or you're focused on your problems now. And um, you have to kind of right yourself, you know, sometimes. And um, in the education space, and again, we've talked about confidence and competence and... Maybe like soft skills and these intangibles. I, I think what's key, um, what's been key to, and, and I'll, I'll put both of us in this, in this box where we've always been committed to growth. And I want to go back to what you said about resources. You know, whether or not you are financially in that space to spend money and invest in yourself, or whether you are in an emotional space to commit to something or someone, or whether you know, you, you are lacking in, you know, in any capacity, I like this idea of, and I wanna ask you this, do you really think there's a difference when it comes to success and, and, and tackling you know, big dreams, big goals, and you have a huge vision, is there really a difference between having everything you need and not having everything you need?
1: Wow. That is a very, um, that's a very big question. Um, In theory, I don't think there's a big difference. Um, I think it really all comes in how we view it. You know, I, I really like the saying, everything's a nail to a hammer. I really like that saying, you know, what we perceive as obstacles a lot of times are really opportunities, you know? And having less makes the story greater in some senses, yeah. you know, and I, I think about like what we're doing now, you know, we've consistently, you know, we cause we've been friends for a long time now, we've consistently had visions of what we wanted to do. And we've consistently did the work to, to like make a vision of that appear. And I think every creative knows the vision you have in your mind and what people see is, is very rarely the same thing. It's not quite as good as you'd like it to be, even if people love it. You know, but uh I think people underestimate resources, you know. It's like the saying it's not a lack of resources, a lack of resourcefulness, you know. How many people really take the time to to look at Kindle Unlimited books all day and find topics? How many people really comb through YouTube and and find out who the top influencers are in their areas and their categories and, you know, Even knowing these people and even being able to tell other people who they are, you know, these are all skills and things that don't cost money. And these are things that whether you may not look at them as a resource or not, or look at as valuable or not, these are all things within our control, you know? So in my eyes, I don't think there's a real major difference, but I'm I'm definitely
0: open to what you think on that. Uh, Well, I mean, it's funny because, you know, he's aimed that question back at me, and <laughs> I hadn't really anticipated uh, answering that, uh, but my two cents, I guess, would be that, yikes, uh, I guess what I've learned over t- I, let me be real, because the, the whole point of this show is to to help people who may be in a space uh, where they're blind to some things, uh, and I'm not saying we've got the market cornered no, wow. on, on understanding and business wisdom or education wisdom. Um, but I can definitely remember being in a space where I thought I couldn't be successful or take off in the way I wanted to unless I had everything, unless my money was right, unless I had every piece of equipment, unless I had every person, you know, that I, I wanted on the project. Um, and, and over time, as I've, I've had, you know, minor successes and larger successes and have had to achieve those with more resources or scarce resources I think I think it's a lot I feel like a lot like you do where it's maybe not a huge difference um and I, I really love what you said it's not about resources but resourcefulness I can't tell you how often I've had to um be creative and imaginative <laughs> you
1: know I, I, that that really
0: you know that
1: that uh triggered a conversational piece you know I know and I know you can relate to it. You know, when I was working on a self because I've self-published a, a few books, um, and I know the process of getting the books ready for them to be uploaded into Kindle for those who have never had to do it it is a headache to say the least making sure that your formatting is correct making sure that the margins are where they need to be and the cover, you, the cover art is not you know the cover art has enough pixels for it to be print ready and just little attention to detail you know things and you've already done everything yourself you know so this is just yet another thing to do but it's just an example of being resourceful you know when you have a deadline in your mind and you're having to figure out how to get this this platform and accept what you're trying to submit to it it's a resourcefulness is just not even strong enough a word to describe it you know and i think creatives and entrepreneurs and and, and everybody in some sense but creatives and entrepreneurs definitely they know what it means to be resourceful they know what it means to, have, to have a brand you have to be you you have a vision in your head you know but i also think uh People could learn a lot from those examples and take those and apply those to their their own lives. And you'll never have, there, ne- there never is a perfect time for you to have a child. There's never a perfect time for you to be married. But you can always take what you have and decide how can you make this better. You know, And I, I think that's key. And, you know, that brought me to another thing I was thinking about. I remember I had the chance to read a commons book uh I think it 's about love. I forgot the title, but he quoted another artist who basically said it 's about just keeping the channel open when you do things it 's not always about how other people receive it. You just put it out there, but you're doing it to keep the channel open like it's it's the same as when you see older men go to the gym and older women go to the gym they're not professionally weightlifting anymore they're keeping the channels open they're they're doing it to stay in a place of constantly working on what they have. Because if you're not working, it's declining.
0: You know, that's that's really good. I'm gonna steal that for later on. And, and you know, so. By
1: all means, brother, it's all, <laughs> it's infinite intelligence or something like
0: that. <laughs> yeah, I, man, I mean, that was good. I mean, I knew you guys were listening like, damn, that that was, that was good. <laughs> Um, I'm
1: not deep. I just read a couple books. Stop. <laughs> like, I mean, he might
0: be deep though. He he might. Uh, that aspect of keeping the channels open. Um, I I look back on my life, and I always kind of. Uh, I've always been a particular way, or I've always had a particular brand of optimism and dedication and and. and hard work and sweat equity, where people, it's like my calling card now, uh, where people think, oh, he, he must have always been fit. He must have always been smart. He must have always been ambitious. And I wasn't always that way. I used to be the, the, the scared kid who didn't want, if, if kids are playing games and you know, somebody says, hey, Nick, you want to jump in? And I was like, N- no, cause I was scared. I, I didn't want to be embarrassed. I still don't like to be embarrassed, but. Um, <laughs> yes, it comes with
1: nature. It comes with nature. I, I
0: mean, and I remember, you know, you have these comparisons too, you know, especially if you have siblings, sometimes you can be compared uh, to your sibling and oh, something,
1: well.
0: right? Uh, something in their nature. Um, and because your parents mean a lot to you and they're oftentimes the most important voice to you. Um, sometimes even small comments can kind of sit with you for a really long time, uh, even to your deathbed. You know, I'm not, I'm not on my deathbed. But uh, even to this age, you know, at, at the ripe age of... Uh, 33. Um, it's, it's still, there's some things that you kind of hold on to. Um, but the point I wanted to get to about keeping the channel open was, I think of this, I think of it as a continuum, right? My channel was always open to this. And the way I kept that open was my mentality of, I'm not there yet, but I want to be. And simply wanting it, allowed maybe the right people to come into my life at different times and the right events to stimulate or activate mm. um, That's insightful. who I wanted to be. That's insightful. And so while I was scared, he was like, you know, I'm gonna send one of your best friends in your childhood, Ryan, who's gonna come at you and say, hey Nick, you need to work on your confidence and I'm gonna work with you on that. And then there's a piece to that puzzle that I didn't have before. And it's gonna be like, okay, I wanna run and I wanna play, I wanna play basketball on the team and then you get to middle school and you're in 6th grade and you get cut right and and you you don't and you get the, you get the letter from the coach and you open it up in the car and it's like you know sorry next year next year and and it's it's like a knife you know and you're going oh man and then had i not had that problem it would have not uh, influenced me so to kill. close that wound because exactly. it was a wound it was like you're not making you didn't make it slice and i'm bleeding and then blood's letting out and it's like we've got to carterize this so we can heal and stay alive and so the next year in seventh grade you know trial is multiple days in sixth grade i got cut after the first day and i thought i was pretty good i played in, you know in the boys and girls club in these other leagues and i was killing it and then seventh grade i went out and this time I made it past the first day, and I and I got through the second day, and I thought, yeah, I think I'm good enough to make this team. I played against a lot of these players in my own neighborhood, and I've been beating them, and then I got cut again. Mm. And it was it was it was it was a wound reopening. It wasn't a new cut somewhere else. It was like that old wound that I thought I'd healed is now reopened. And and now it's festering because when you have these negative thoughts that sit with you for a long time, like I wasn't good enough last year and I didn't make it this year, I must really not be good. And here's when the champions are made. When you've been punched in the mouth a couple times in the same spot and all the evidence points towards you not being good enough in the eyes of other people, something in you, in some people, you know, we say the it factor. Or whatever it is, it awakens and it goes, I'm unwilling, wholly unwilling to accept that I'm not as good as these people. And it snapped. It was like, no matter what I have to do, I will be back.
1: And, you know, it's funny that that instance literally made me think of not only myself, but it made me think of Buster Douglas, you know, and for those who just aren't familiar, you know, Buster Douglas is the, the gentleman who basically ended Tyson's undefeated streak. And you know, if you know the context, they did a great ESPN documentary, but if you know the context, you know, you know, Buster's dad was a hell of a fighter. And they always said the son was not like him, that he really didn't have the grit or the desire of his dad. And he got you know, hooked into a fight with Mike Tyson, who was the heavyweight champion, youngest heavyweight champion ever. He was just obliterating people. And he told his mom that he was gonna beat him. And a couple of days before the fight, his mother passed. But his mother was telling everybody in the neighborhood, my son is going to beat Mike Tyson. And by damn, he beat Mike Tyson. And I I say that just to mention, you have to have a certain level, they would maybe say neuroticism, whatever they would say, of passion, obsession, obsession, that, that makes you have a personal standard of this is not the way I choose to define myself. This is not the story that I want for myself. You know, I think about... You know and I transitioned to coaching basketball at a later point in my life and um, we had a winless season we didn't win a single game we were getting you know beat by like 20-30 points some games and just was completely demoralizing and the first thing I remember that let me know that I was different was I didn't think automatically that this was okay and well not not just that it was okay first thing I thought was I can't wait to do this over and By no means is this going to go down again like this. Now, some people would have just said, this is not a fixable situation. There are some people who look at a situation and say all the ways it can't work. And there are other people that say, how can I get through it? And then to add to that, there are people who say, even if I have to crawl, I'm going to win. And there are some people, you know, you know, me and Nicholas, we talk about this all the time. Do you really want to win or look good losing? And. We're in a culture of people that are willing to look good losing. And as long as they're able to control the narrative and make it seem as if they did give it all they got, then that's okay. Then you have some people who are willing to win by all costs. And even if they don't get to post that post about it on Instagram or social media, as long as they win, that was all it was about. And they can can breathe in, you know. That's why we can see Michael Jordan say he wanted that seventh ring. And we
0: can say, I understand. Yeah. Because we appreciate that we, we we need people like that, and what I want to do is I want to, I want to add on to that because I what what happens is I think when you know those people who, who uh, showcase that tenacity and and then that resilient spirit what I want what I want listeners to get is and I'm not the most successful person in the world and and a lot of times people neither,
1: think about conventional standards
0: right you know a lot of people think you know you know, people sometimes ask me, like, well, who, who, do you, who are you getting on your podcast and so on? Or what, what book are you reading and who's, who's the author? And everybody seems to have, not everybody, but there's a general consensus that you should have well-to-do people, rich people, people who've been successful in their field. Like, these are the only people you can take advice from, right? And what that's called is social proof. You know, we, we need that validation from others that this person is this person in an elevated position that we should all deify
1: and listen to. Man. Right. Deify is a very big word. Thank you for saying that.
0: And so what what I want people to get is this. I think good advice can come from anybody and anywhere. And here's what I want you to take away. The idea of transferable skills. OK. That Me not making that team in sixth and seventh grade, it hurt me. It hurt me bad. Uh, It hurt hurt me in a deep place. Because if we're being honest, it built on other disappointments that I'd had. Right? It was like, oh, you're not popular in school. You're not popular with the girls. It just built Uh, on that
1: foundation.
0: Right. So to me, it was just another example of me not being worthy.
1: It was more proof of why you were unworthy.
0: Exactly. And... When I finally took all that pain, all of that confusion and disappointment and heartache, I I I, I literally, and I'm gonna give you, I'm even an example. That was those are sixth and seventh grade, right? And I in the seventh grade I was taking basic math like integers, like basic stuff. You know what I mean? In eighth grade, my mom put me in um, algebra, which was multiple levels up from the math I was taking before. I kid you not. I, I went home after my first like one or two days of algebra, and uh, I, I, I went home and I cried uh, in front of my mom because I said, "Mom, there's letters in the math. You know, there's the A's and B's and X's and Y's."
1: It sounds funny, but that's still a universal concept to this day. That's when kids said math got in, got uh, got you know confusing when they put letters in front of it.
0: Dude, seriously, seriously, I, I like at the time. You know, I was maybe like 12 because I, I was I was in, you know, started school pretty early and I literally did not know that math could have letters. I just thought math was strictly numbers. And, and I learned uh, really quickly that that was not the case. And this idea of transferable skills, I, I had an F in algebra. OK. And in uh, uh, in that semester, and he was like. Maybe like, second semester, and I was taking, like, you know, some, like, science class and history and all these other things. And I had, you know, like, a, you know, maybe like some As, you know, mostly Bs and, and an F, you know, in uh, algebra. And I was obsessed with this show, Dragon Ball Z. I You know, Goku, Vegeta, Frieza. I, I, like, I was obsessed with DBZ. And if you're a DBZ... You
1: and most of the millennials to this day. I mean... <laughs>
0: Yeah, I mean, if you're if you're a I fan anime. of anime, DBZ was like one of like one of the things like a, a, a milestone or like what a cornerstone of your like your childhood. And so I was obsessed with it. There was a new season coming out um, that had just come out on VHS. But for those who are old enough to know about VHS, and there was a ten tape collection, and you could go to Suncoast or like Sam Goody or Tower Records, and you could get these tapes for at the time twenty dollars a piece. 10 video set, do the math right quick, $200 and, and you know, and this is, this is a crazy sum what is what has got to be like $19.99. Oh my God. And especially for like some videotapes tapes and, and a set, a box set. And I told my mom, I said, hey mom, can I have uh, this this box set? And she kind of had a throwaway comment of like, yeah, if you get all A's, you can have it. Now keep in mind, I had never gotten all A's in my entire academic life, my entire student life, didn't even, couldn't even sniff close enough to, to to all A's. And that pain of sixth and seventh grade of not making it, that pain of being in basic math, that pain of people not liking me, that pain of people beating me up all the time and me being afraid to sit on the bus and me being afraid to we'll sit in the cafeteria uh, because people were gonna knock the tray out of my hand or take lunch off my, uh, off my tray. And I, I wasn't brave enough to fight back all of that rolled into one. And I said, I don't want to feel like this anymore. And there's a, there's a quote, and I'm paraphrasing. It's like, you will change when the pain of being the present you is much, uh, much greater, greater than, than who, who, you who you want to be.
1: Yeah.
0: You know what I'm saying? And, and who I was was so distasteful to me. Like, the idea of thinking about myself, looking at myself in the mirror, gotten to the point where it was so bad, I was like, I have to change. Anything is better than this. And, you know, that doesn't mean that you didn't like yourself. I just think
1: life is about learning to fall in love with yourself over and over again. And that means consistently changing the things that you loved about yourself. Sometimes it doesn't mean you don't love yourself. It's just growing with yourself and understanding that, you know, that that's going to require a change. And what I'm getting from this story you know, is, it's like a concept I heard another gentleman saying, it's just slaying the dragon. Mm. We all have a dragon in our life that we have to slay. And with, without that, you'll never have the confidence that you need to transfer it to other things. You know, I, I, you know, with you, I I can't wait for you to finish it to people. So I'm going to give it right back to you. But for you, your dragon was academically, people have a view of me they have limitations that they've imposed on me. And those limitations now are part of my thought. Now I have to completely slay this dragon. I'm afraid people have projected their own fear onto me. And now I have to do something that I haven't seen done before.
0: Man, man, you you said something. Two things in what you just said, slaying the dragon and doing something you've never Either, either never seen done before or done yourself. I I think when it comes to slaying that dragon, it's a a, a process like everything else, right? You you have to first of all engage that dragon. A lot of us know that dragon's there, and we look at it, and then we kind of avert our eyes. Go back into the castle. You know, we kind of go oh. Dragging out there. Let me turn back around and pretend like it's not here, and and that can be like, hey, I'm not really in love with my girlfriend or my wife or my husband or or or, or my children or my job, and then you go, mmm, that's a really tough thing to to process. So I'm just gonna act like that's not a real thing. Yeah, and and I'm overweight and I'm gonna pretend like I'm not really overweight. Like this is this this weight is cool, right? My clothes don't really fit, but I can always buy bigger clothes. So problem solved. And in my case. I just kept thinking about me owing myself and, and, I, and I had never fully engaged that dragon. I'd maybe tiptoed in that water. I'd thought about it a lot. I'd had dreams of being on top and I used every single failure and every little thing I tried and it culminated in this eighth grade algebra. I went to my teacher and I said, what do I have to do to get an A? Because I, I'm inspired now, right? And And she basically says, you basically got to get Nick at this point an A on every single thing we do from here on out. And that alone is almost enough to crush anybody, especially if you were already failing.
1: It's a daunting
0: task, you know. <laughs> and so I was failing and I said, okay. And I just, out of nowhere, like, it's not like an epiphany, but it was like, I put everything together. Like when I didn't make the team, I started thinking, what skills did they actually want? Because. I can beat these people over here, but was there something more that they wanted? Uh, Was it a personality thing? Am I coachable? I started thinking about why do people like, why don't people like me? Is it because I don't look good? It's because I don't, I'm not on a sports team. It's because I don't have muscles. It's because whatever it is And, and so on, so on. And then you realize there are people out there who have exactly what you want. And the quickest way I think kids figure this out is they emulate what they see. And it was as simple as that, transferable skills. I started watching what smart people did. I said, okay, they're studying. And I had to be honest with myself, I said, Nick, you don't know how to study. Second of all, they were raising their hands. And I said, I've always been afraid to raise my hand. I can't think of a time I raised my hand. In fact, when the teacher calls on me, I about crap a brick because I don't want to get called up to the front and then be asked to work out a problem and not know how to do it. And, you know, what you just what you just said that kind of just stuck out in that,
1: though, was just and these are kind of the crux of self-improvement that people don't want to tackle is your fear of getting better is the very thing preventing you from getting better. You know, everybody has a fear of how they're going to be perceived. That stops so many people from creating anything. Right. The fear of how this will look to people. And it, it reminds me of what Gary Vee said. You can create and start over any time. But people are so afraid they just put that one chalk line on their chalkboard. One, two, keep doing it. You know, people are afraid to ask questions because they don't want to seem like they know the answer. We see that all the time with students. You know, people are afraid to, to, to question their habits and say, is what I want in line with you know, it's what I want in line with what I'm doing. You know, that, and those are just two key things. I don't want
0: to interrupt your flow, but that's important. No, man. No, no we're we're, we're, we're on to something here. We're definitely on to something. And I'm going to kind of tidy mine up here and, and close it out. I got to the point where I was bothering the heck out of people next to me. Like, hey, uh, so-and-so, uh, could you show me how to do this? And when I bugged the heck out of them, I would turn to somebody else and say, hey, 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 you know, this person's upset with me. Could, could you show me how to do it? And I didn't want to stay after school. And I just started saying, hey, you, Nick, you, you might have to start staying after school. And so I started staying after school. Um, and I got to the end of the semester, and I was sitting right around um, like 88, 89, and a 90 is an A down here. And on the final, I talked to, to uh, the teacher, and she says, Nick, you, you, you darn near going to have to ace this thing to get up to where you need to be. And I'm thinking, oh, my God. This is this is impossible. And this is a moment where we're talking about slaying the dragon. I studied like a madman. I studied like no one had ever studied in life, where I imagined that nobody studied in <laughs> life. Up until that point in life. Yeah. And it's certainly something that I had never done myself. And I went in there and I got like a 98 on it. And it bumped my grade up to like a 90, right? And I got an A. And But what I'd done in that math class talk about transferable skills i started using that process as i was learning that in real time in every other subject and what happens you'll see is that i got a's in all of those doing the same things which lets you know that success is a process that can be duplicated that can be replicated correct and so i graduated you know, near the top of my class in, in high school, you know, because everything I learned from failing, 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 improving, failing, getting the crap kicked out of you, being embarrassed, you know, uh, people being told that you can't do it. I start, I took everything that I happened right there to make me successful, and I started using it in sports, too. And that led to me being a college athlete. And I used it in the classroom, which helped me become the you know, top of my class. I used that in my relationships with people, which helped me become more popular in school. Um, and so, if you understand that, right, you have to you understand that you got to get one win first.
1: And you know that philosophy that you just that you kind of just espouse just kind of reinforces the concept that everything has a pattern everything has a pattern. And once you start finding out what works, you typically find out that you find it out by doing it by yourself. And no one will confirm it for you, but you will feel this gave me a different result than anything else I've done. More of this, it's, you know, it's comparable, I think someone said, have you ever noticed when a, when, a, when a child tells a joke and someone laughs, that look on their face, this makes people smile at me. I want to do this again. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's that same concept. A lot of us know what's necessary. You know what it felt like that first time you took a run and you went further than you ever ran before. You remember the pain, you remember all that, but you also remember that part of you that said, oh my God, I could have went further. I was holding back, I was holding back. Now the process is what you're dreading. And that's normal. I think I saw another, there's a guy following follow on Twitter. He always said, you know, focus on performance versus outcome. And I'll never forget that because a lot of times we get focused on, all right, man, I'm going to go out here and I'm going to run and get this time. No, 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 no. What's your mindset about performing the task? Is your mindset give your best even when you don't have it? Is it I don't know enough to get a straight A? or to get straight A's or to get an A in this class, but I'm going hard at it like I did, you know, before. And that's, from what you're saying, that's what I got from it, the grit to be able to say, okay, I don't know. Let me keep trying to perform high as I can. Okay, I'm getting better, but there's still another level I got to kick into. I need
0: to start staying after school. And this and this actually goes back into what you said about uh, remaining in that channel. Um again, and I talk about that continuum along where you are. And we kind of talked about this the other day about like a seed to a tree and where people meet you along that path. And that was
1: a powerful talk. That was a powerful talk. Uh, Because what what you kind of see in life is, you know, everything is really constant. You know, people are always growing. They just may not be where you want them to be. At that time. And
0: say that again, where
1: you want to be. And that is important. You know, I think we see it a lot in relationships and in all relationships. Your parents go through stages where they feel like you're stagnant. Your mate may feel like you're stagnant. You may feel like your friendships are stagnant and you just have to realize that everyone is growing in some aspect. It just doesn't look like what you want it to look like. You know, when you plant a, a seed, it does not look like a tree. But if you go with that concept that time is really just a man-made concept, it is a tree. Mm -hmm. It's just not there yet. And, you know, I I say that to say people are constantly improving. Well, you should be. Most people are focusing on constantly improving. But we have to be quick to not hold people to a standard that we're not holding ourselves to. You know, just because you may have more materially does not mean that you're where you need to be emotionally where you need to be spiritually, you know, they, they're not always the same. You can have things and not have things inside. You know, we, we, we tend to often say, because of society, this person has a Benz. This person makes this much. This is who they are. No, those are titles. Does this person have compassion? Does this person have love? Does this person have things that they can give to people? What, those are the things, because you can gain possessions. You can lose possessions. But who you are fundamentally is not something that you can easily gain without work you know but we focus a lot on i want a person to have this you know you you hear the refrain a lot you know it was uh, you know person got in trouble the other day they were saying they wanted someone who had a certain type of lifestyle and inherent in that statement was they believe that lifestyles determine persons a person's worth you know we we work in professions that are white collar jobs and Typically, people think of teachers as underpaid and underskilled. But what you typically find is in every job is there are a lot of people with a lot of things to give. They're just on a continuum of their own continuum of growth. They'll be there one time.
0: Yeah, that. Man, there's a lot to unpack there that I mean, you were saying something. I mean, like certainly you can master one aspect of your life and be wholly uh, deficient in another area. You know, it's it's like you could be a successful banker or an actor, actress, and a horrible parent. Um, You can be a terrible husband, but be a great father. Um, What I want people to understand is really this continuum of of where you're trying to go is what what I think hinders most people is because they think, you know, am I living up to this standard that somebody else has set? You know, and what you want to do is stay in your channel, like Comet said, and the tree, whether it's a seed or three or four inches out the ground or 40 feet out the ground, it was all the same thing. And where you met that tree along the way, didn't change what the tree was, but your idea of the tree and what it should look like changed how you viewed the tree, which never changed.
1: So Nick, I need you to, to put that in, uh, in,
0: if you can't put that in
1: layman terms for them. I don't want them to think that we're trying to get too zen on them. But I think what you're essentially saying, I think what you know, you are essentially saying is a person still has value whether they have fully actualized who they're to be yet. You know, And I think that's something we have to remember. Everybody on this earth has value. Whether or not we can always see it is indicative of a lot of other things. You know, I I really do believe in the saying we can only perceive, we can only treat people and understand people based on our levels of perception. As you really start perceiving life, you really understand people are victims to ebbs and flows all the time. You will not always have it, you will not always be down. There are ebbs and flows, but if you judge a person based on a moment, a snapshot in time, when they may not have actualized. You know, when I look back on my, you know, my upbringing and, you know, who I became in the last five to 10 years, you know, college was was big and helped me to step out of my shell socially and become a different person. But if you looked at who I was then and who I am now, it may it may have
0: been very hard to see that ever being possible. I'm gonna say this about, you, cause I, I've known I've known Sam since yeah,
1: you're were, you're were integral part of that since, success as well. You know,
0: since college, and he—it's funny because he'll say, "Like I'm a completely different person now than 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 he was then," um, and I, and I'm going to kind of have to disagree in the sense of I think I always saw where he was trying to go. I appreciate that. And so he was the tree even though he felt like he was maybe in the sapling stage, yes, you know, and while there were some who saw him merely as a sapling, you know, I always saw it as, Oh no, this guy's going to be big time, you know, and I think what happens sometimes for us to, to uh, how we, how we view certain things, right. When we, and, and I'm going to bring this back to education, Because as teachers, it's always been critical for us to... Nurture. Nurture and empower others. But the way you get successful at that is to see what somebody has, that raw talent, right? To look into that block of marble and see the statue of David, right? You got to be able to do that. And and that might be a gift. That might be a blessing uh, all on its own. Um, But, you know, there, there are people out here... Who cannot live beyond today, there are people who I heard Joe Dispenza say this you either live your life defined by the vision of your future or you are enslaved by the memories of your past and wow that's insightful and 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 what I wanted what I want I think I said this to you the other day um was that i I had even up to maybe almost sort of recently in the last year or two, I realized that I had stopped dreaming. I had stopped seeing myself fully in the, the capacity that I could be. Like, I, knew, I know I can be big time in my heart. I know I can have everything that I want. I know that I can empower and motivate millions of people across the world. And sometimes what happens is when you start to dream like that, you stop short because you start to realize, you start to think in terms of your reality, your current situation, and you go, well, I got bills, and I got goals, and I got short-term goals, and I got people who need me, and things like that, and you start to live to the level of your reality, or what you think is your reality, of the day-to-day.
1: Exactly.
0: And what I wanted to do, what I realized what I wasn't doing, and what I've begun to do again through meditation, is to step fully in, without limiting myself in any way, step fully into who I want to be, what I wanna have, what I wanna do, who I wanna do it with and hold on to that, 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 that frequency. And so going back to, to the kids, for them to get where they need to be, sometimes it's more important, not that they see you as somebody who's a mentor or super eloquent and educated and wise, but to meet them at their level, get into a place of synchronicity in their vibration and then change your vibration and watch them rise to yours. And to
1: to kind of put that again in layman's terms, because I, I think education has shown us that you meet children where they are. And what you find is once you're able to meet them where they are, they care to want to get to where you are. And, you know, you don't have to be, you know, I think. What teaching has shown us also is you don't have to be perfect and you're never as good as you think you are for them. Because a lot of times my thing was, man, I don't have this type of money. I don't have this type of platform. I remember reaching out to celebrities. You know, there was a moment where I was trying to get, uh, Nick remembers, I was trying to get No Malice of Eclipse to come speak to my school. And I raised all this money. I put in some money myself. I put in like 1300 of my own dollars. I raised 1200 myself and I ended up not being able to go forward. Um, because of, you know, some administrative issues. But one of the things I remembered is I just kept trying to get people in to speak to the kids. And then when I would talk to the kids, they felt like I was already enough. And even when I didn't feel like I was, I met them where they were, you know. And I think the thing that they that they've shown me and I think the thing that, you know, Nicholas has shown me as well is you have to be willing to be a blank slate when it comes to your, you know, your growth or or your views on yourself. You have to be willing to undo a lot of the stuff that you taught yourself. You know, the tabula rasa, you've heard that Latin phrase. You've gotta become a blank slate and undo a lot of the things you've taught about yourself and completely say, you know, the way children think of themselves and they're susceptible to what we tell them. Sometimes you have to become a child again in in your view of yourself and just say, hey, you know what? This is what I have been given. This is false. This is who I really am, and I'm going to rewrite my life, you know?
0: No, I think I think that's, man, the idea of the blank slate is so powerful. I, you know, and an idea of you already being enough is also, you know, I mean, God, that's in, in more encouraging, like beyond words, uh, just how, how encouraging that is, uh, because I think sometimes we imagine that. We're not worthy of the things we want. There are people you'd like to date, and you feel like they're out of your league. Mm-hmm. There, are, you know, there are roles in companies where you feel like you could be doing that, and um, and then somebody up above, you, a superior, says, you know, I don't think that's for you, or oh, I, I I don't know if you'd be good at that, and and then you can you kind of you listen to it and you let it sink in, into your mind and in your heart, and. And
1: it just kind of shows you that what people view of you and what's true is always different. You know, I look at what I'm doing now. I remember uh, one of my superiors telling me he wasn't sure if I would be fit, you know, to serve in the capacities that I've served in. And now I serve in those capacities. And all I can think is, imagine if I would have let how he viewed me steer. You know, imagine if he would have been in control of my personal vision for myself because, you know... It's true, we project a lot of our own self on people. When people tell you what you can't do, it's based off how they feel your worth is. you know And a lot of times you're not lucky, like I was blessed enough to have Nicholas here to say, "Look, I see who you're trying to be. You're going to get there. You just have to have confidence, you have to have faith in yourself. And you know, I'm blessed, but not a lot of people have that. you know, and I think the most admirable people are people like Nicholas who didn't have anybody to tell that to them. And did it for themselves and they're able to sense how other people need that and they give it to them at just the right time you know and that was one of the things that made him such a uh, that's why other people couldn't beat him as a teacher you know you can be great at your craft but until you know how to lead with both your heart and your your mind you can never have both you know there are a lot of people who can plan great lessons we know people now who are great nutritionally speaking we know people you know, who are great at, you know, the technical aspects of it, but their work always lacks heart. It always lacks the emotion. Of that that what Bruce Lee said lacks that feeling.
0: You know, you need that. Nah no, man, I know. I appreciate that. That that's uh that it's funny. I I think, you know, I you know, people there's that saying, right? You know, Pain is life's greatest teacher. Mm. And some of us have spent our entire lives running from that pain and thus have avoided the lessons that we needed to grow. Mm -hmm. And so while we can grow in a lot of ways, you can move up in the company and make more money. You can move to a better neighborhood. Um, You can date people you feel are on your level or whatever. And you can still not have achieved the growth necessary To make those things shine and the reason you know that is because you have people who's who've achieved these things and are still unhappy still
1: unhappy yeah
0: and i always felt like i never had um all the resources necessary to 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 propel me to the places i wanted to be sometimes i felt like i needed the right friends to encourage me and i I felt like i didn't have those and and different points i've i've had i had you know one in particular my my buddy Ryan Gauss back in like third grade, and we're friends to this day. But in general, I've always felt like behind the eight ball with no moves. And I've had to create uh, like like Houdini, I feel like, you know, like with, with no hands and uh, in a straight jacket and underwater and with handcuffs and, uh, and a, a cannonball tied to your legs.
1: Hey.
0: And what I think that did for me is that while I felt like I didn't have the resources, here's the thing. The problem was the resource. And there are people who do not believe uh, or look at problems in such a way um as entrepreneurs you know me and sam here uh, have seen um just how um how much growth and um progress can be made by running into the fire that is it uh, running, running into like like there's a book on uh, meditation called like the Bardos of Living and Dying by like Mingyur Rinpoche, and and I hope I'm pronouncing that right. But he said uh, there's a practice that monks do called adding wood to the fire, and they they do this to 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 stoke more empathy, to uh, to grow you know and and self actualize and so on and reach that state of enlightenment, but they know the way to do that is not to run away from the fire, not to light a fire itself, but not only to gather everything you need to, to 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 start a fire, but then you must kindle this fire, and now that it's blazing, you must add things to the fire more and more and more and more to it's at this this temperature that that's this hellish and step into it, and that whole idea on its own is terrifying
1: and you know that makes me. That makes me think of the concept we typically hear biblically of, you know, how brass is made. You know, it has to be put in the hottest corner of the fire. It has to be put in the middle of the flame. Mm. And that is how it's able to get all the impurities out. You know, and I, and I, I say that just to say. I learned something just now. <laughs> no, No, but I mean, I say that just to say that in itself explains to you the crux of what it takes to become a better person. And you have to exactly. And I think what people don't understand, and I think every creative and artist and entrepreneur and and anybody who's venturing out on something outside of the, the yellow brick road of life, anybody taking the path less taken, you know that people expect things to have a predetermined outcome. If I go to work, I get a pension, I retire, I was successful, yay. For people who don't have that same type of life, it doesn't have that same type of outcome. And so they feel like it doesn't have success. But if you have nothing else, you have that unconquerable spirit, you know, that William Ernest Henley talked about, just knowing that you're the master of your fate, knowing that you can determine how you want to be held up. And I think too many people forego how how important that is. You know, I think about when I have kids, I want them to just, you know, even if it doesn't look like how I want it to look, if they can say, but I saw that you were in charge of your life dad and you and you lived the way you wanted to live, and that was inspiring then then you accomplished your goal
0: no that's uh that that concept of uh, freedom or even just i think even hearing that you know just you know modifying maybe how you think about fatherhood and down the road and what success looks like therein um it goes back to what you said about uh, being a blank slate and not being so rigid in how you think um, raising uh, a child should look or what being a father uh, should be like Um, i think back to um, what we heard where was it was it was it miles monroe or somebody who said a a child is not a legacy you know that that kid
1: has own his own life is his to or it. her own person yeah, yeah. own life to
0: live. and you know i think what that indirectly says kind of is we try to impress upon them who we think they should be or have them accomplish things that maybe we started um and i've always i've only gotten to the place now in my life where i listen to Jay shetty his podcast, um, yeah, yeah, check it out. It's called On Purpose, and it's uh, the guy's Jay Shetty, Jay Shetty, I can't J-Y. Wait for the book
1: to come out in September, self, you know, shameless plug, but it's going to be a great book in September. He's coming out with.
0: Yeah, I'm telling you, he's he, it's it's great podcast, and it's along these lines, inspirational, motivational, uh, for those who are committed to to self development, and something he said the other day really stuck uh, to me um, in my mind, and, w- and what he said was. It's impossible to not, I guess, to, to not care what people think. It's impossible. Uh, you're always going to care about what your mom, dad says, best friend says, you know, girlfriend, whoever, your children, your boss. And he says that's not what it's about. It'd be impossible to just not care what anyone thinks. The goal here is that you get to a place where you care just a little bit more about what you think, than what everybody else thinks. Wow. And I've now reached a place where I can confront differing opinions. I I, I can confront my mom or my dad who may not believe in my in my entrepreneurial path. Um, you know, I'm secure in my vision, right? And I, what is it? My people perish uh, for a lack of vision, for a lack of vision, and for what? A lack of knowledge. Right? You know, where there is no vision,
1: the, people will, the people
0: will perish. And this goes back to what I said, and this is probably the last thing I'm gonna say is that um, the don't be afraid to dream un, in an unlimited way. You know, like I said, you can have bills, you could be going through COVID right now and you were furloughed you could be going through COVID right now and your income has been you know, zapped 25 30%. You may not know where, where the money's going to come from next. You may not know if there's going to be a second wave of corona. And maybe that's why you're not going to start what it is that you want to start. Or maybe it's that time that you're going to start reexamining yourself and your relationships with people. Um, and when you do that, I think that's healthy, number one. But when you start to go back and you really start digging in your mind, don't hold yourself back. Don't think just because of these, these things where you perceive these limitations as being real. Just go all the way, follow it all the way down. Like, I want that car. Don't think to yourself like, oh, this is most likely I'll be able to afford this car. No, 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 no. Pick what you want, end the story when you think about the food you want to eat, right? Your budget might say, hey, I want craft cheese, but this great value is all I could really do. And so, and then when you start to go dream about it, don't dream in great value, and I'm not hating on great value, I'm right? Uh. But, but start thinking of like those gourmet cheeses, the smelly ones, and, and, and you know, those ones that they're making out the in France. Get the cheese,
1: get the Buddha cheese.
0: Right? Put, put yourself way out there in your mind And then see what that feels like, right? Because all those things are possible. There are people out there right now who are actually living that life. And what had held me back for a long time, especially recently, uh, of late, was that I had just chained myself to what I thought was possible with what I have. And yet I've managed to do more with less. And I've watched uh, my momentum pick up with those perceived limitations, which lets me know, which lets me know that they weren't limitations at all, which lets me know that you can have exactly everything you want in the way that you want it if you are confident and brave enough to say, this is not good enough for me anymore. And in education, I'm gonna tie it up this way. What you have to work through a lot with kids, especially in uh, underserved communities and communities of color uh, with a lack of resources and funding, and so on, these kids have been beaten down. These kids, in mentally, emotionally, and in their hearts, are battling with who they know they are, with who we've told them they could be. Correct. And if you have any compassion, if you have any ounce of talent and heart and humanity, what you realize is what you must do is encourage the kids to keep dreaming. The dream unlimited unreserved and that for them to pick up on that you also must do that and what has made me successful in teaching is that I have moved from that position 90% of me you know whether I had the, the right credentials or not and I've achieved things who had better credentials than I did because I unlocked the kid I didn't lock them in the curriculum right I unlocked the kid yeah, you because the, the kid, curriculum around them. Exactly, yeah. the kid in their DNA was wired, was already designed for Plus greatness. Success. I can't, I can't, look, look I can't, can't teach success, right? I can't put a curse, right, on what God has already blessed them to do. Mm, preach, bro. And there are teachers out here who are trying to curse these kids and put limitations on them, and you can't stop what God's got for you right? Yo, all the hate in your heart can't block that kid, Amen. right? But what you can do is unlock and move them in the path that they're trying to go and get the heck out the way. And that's all I got to say on that.
1: Honestly, that's all that needs to be said on that, to be honest with you, because if there were any last words that I would leave to you, that would be it. And I would say, take that same concept and apply it to your life. You have everything that you need. All you need to have is more belief in yourself and understand that failure now does not mean failure for the future. It's only failure when you give up. And even if the dream you have for yourself doesn't materialize into the dream that you have in your mind, you have your spirit. You have that unconquerable part of yourself that was a warrior. And that is essentially the dream for you to be awake, for you to be free. And to piggyback off what you know, Nicholas said, dreaming unlimited is really the only thing that you have in this world that's free. It's the only thing that doesn't cost. It's the only thing no one can take away from you.
0: So dream unlimited. And on that note, good people, I'm gonna let uh, Mr. Wright here plug himself for for whatever he's got coming up. I know he's got stuff coming up, so I'm gonna let him tell you where you can where you can follow him. He's gonna give you everything you need, whether it's IG, a website, uh, a video. <laughs> Link. I appreciate that, I, man. Take I it away. I appreciate
1: that. No, uh, you guys can definitely follow me uh, based on anything in social media on Facebook. You can follow me at facebook.com slash Solomon Hill S-O-L-O-M-O-N, Hill, H-I-L-L, Fleet, F-L-E-E-T. You can follow me on Instagram at Solomon Hill Fleet with no T. They wouldn't let me get the T in, I know. <laughs> you can follow me there. You can follow me on Twitter at the same handle. Um I'm always open to any comments you guys have. Uh, I also, you know, if you go to my social media pages, you'll see um, my short film. film. I was just about to say the short film, Jaded Gems, is out. You can uh, find that on Vimeo. You can see that on my page as well. Uh, Amazon, you can find uh, the Kindle or hardback version of Jaded Gems. Um, And I'm working on a novella that'll be my next one. It's going to probably have some type of dystopian feel. I'm going to challenge myself and dig deep for that. But... That's what we're working on. Um, and by all means, just thank you all very much for listening. I hope what we said to you all was just gratifying and
0: what you all needed in your soul. Indeed, follow him there. Do it now. I'm actually, I'm gonna add it into the notes of the episode so you can, you can see it. So you can go right there. You can go to every every way you can access him, I will have it there, all right? So you have no excuses. Not to follow, we have none at not all. to subscribe. We have none at all. Share you know, that
1: video, like that video, comment on that video. I look forward to all feedback.
0: Share like wildfire. Listen, listen. For you to receive things, right? You got to give. You got to give first, right? You That's know, you, you got to Your hands got to be the open. concept. Give, right? And this is free to do. Like it, it's free to share. It's like it's like a couple clicks, and, and you're done. That's it. Okay. So one love to you guys. Thank you, Samuel, aka Solomon, aka a million other things, a man of many hats, <laughs> Thank a man you, of the uh... landers,
1: aka TLC Bass. I appreciate mm-hmm. it so much, man. Thank you for being on my podcast. And when it goes up, you guys remember this moment.
0: Indeed. And we're out like shout.